Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Well, good morning. Look at your neighbor and say, you look marvelous. Amen. Amen. Well, if I could, if I could, let me um, first say to you that I got a history lesson and then I got a message for you today and they both coincide together. So if I was to say to you, John Adams, Samuel Adams, Joshua Barlett, Carter Blackston, Samuel Chase, Abraham Clark, are these names you know? Some of you say, yeah, those names sound kind of familiar. But how about if I was to say Benjamin Flink, Franklin, John Hancock, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Nelson. Those names are a little bit more familiar. If you go on YouTube and you look up this, it's eight minutes of suffering for me. Americans who are clueless of why we celebrate the 4th of July. And when you listen to individuals and ask them a question, what is 4th of July about? Are you going to celebrate it? Yes, I am. Why do we celebrate it? Nothing. What date was the Constitution? Nothing. Where did freedom freedom come from? What did the United States, who did they separate from? Nothing. Nothing. The answers you get from people between 20 and 40 years old is terrible. And you want to know why we as a country are in such a deep, deep mess. One, we have disowned God in our country. Second, we don't even know our own history because in educational systems are not teaching it the way they should. And you can't put the blame totally on there because there's individuals in our country who could care less about our history. All they care about is what's going to happen for me now. So I'm going to share a little bit with you this morning, and I'll tell you what. We are 246 old, and you guys look great. You guys look really great. 246. I mean, I see some of the hair gone. You know? But honestly, guys, for 246 years old, you guys looking good, looking good. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't look day past that. Go ahead, just let them know that. (laughs) 56 people took part in the Declaration of Independence. What's interesting is the same Congress that made up of these group of people made up also the American Bible Society. And some of our presidents of this country were leaders of the American Bible Association, American Bible Society. It's also interest that this same Congress in 1776 imported 20,000 Bibles to give to the citizens of our country because they wanted this nation, this nation, and the people in this nation to know God. To know God was the one who established it. I have people come up to me all the time and tell me about history, and we have what they call revision history, and revision history tells you only what they want to do. It's sort of like talking about you before you were saved, and, and really saying, you know, he was a terrible guy before you were saved. But they don't talk about the one when all of a sudden they had a moment, and then they weren't the same person. You see what I'm trying to say? People are always, and this drives me crazy, people always want to dig up other people's past and make them look really bad. Everybody has a past. You know, Paul the Apostle had a past, and you know what? No one liked him. Even the disciples didn't like Apostle Paul. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Now, you don't have that opinion, but it's amazing how people just are so gullible to believe whatever's on the screen or whatever's what they tell you. Listen, saints, do your own homework, please. If you want to be educated, don't go by the stuff that just people give you. Someone say amen, please. Mm, Don't get me going. You see, every state has a little uh, paragraph that's called a preamble. And a preamble before our state constitution tells you a quick synopsis of what this constitution for our state in New Jersey is going to say, or it wraps around. And when you read our state constitution today, 
and read the preamble that states right in the beginning. It says this. It was written in 1844. We, the people of the state of New Jersey, gratefully to, all, gratefully to Almighty God for the civil and religious liberty which he has so long permitted us to enjoy. That's 100% true. And looking to him. Did you, did, you anybody see, did you anybody read that? Looking to who? Come on. Looking to who? Yeah. Looking to him, which is God. Looking to him for a blessing upon our endeavors to secure and transmit the same unpaired, impaired, unsucceeding generation. Do ordain and establish this constitution. Almost all preambles in most states, some states like Massachusetts, cut out the dependence on God. Which that doesn't live in there for so many years. That don't surprise me. But our state, to tell you the truth, is a, very, a state that's not good at all. Some of the policies in this state are terrible, terrible. Abortion is right up to all the way to the, you can get abortion anytime you want. They knew that Roe versus Wade was probably going to pass, and that's why they put this whole stuff in. But when a nation as a whole does not respect life, and I, I want to be straight with you today and truthful today, there are so many people who call them Catholics and Christians, and yet they have no value for life. No value for life. And if you vote for those people, you're just as guilty. Just as guilty. So many people have died. Little babies. 62 million people from 1973. And we want to talk about justice. Where's the justice for the unborn? There is no voice for them. Their voice is silent. It's up to people like you and I for us to stand up for what is right in this nation. For individuals who have fought for freedom. We have gone so far off. And yet we want God to bless us. That's like doing whatever you feel like doing and then praying, oh, God, bless me. It's like a person not studying for a test and then go up to God and say, God, help me pass this test. You're going to flunk. Let's look a little bit about history today. Can they give me the first one, please? Because, you see, Patrick Henry, everybody knows Patrick Henry. You know the little thing that he gave. But let me give you this. An appeal to arms and God of host is all that is left us but we shall not fight our battle alone there is a just God that presides over the destinies of nations the battle sir is not of the strong alone is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery forbid it almighty God I know what the course of others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. These are individuals that were willing to die for what they believe in. And my heart desire is for you and for all to say, what do we believe in as a people of God? And are we willing to put our necks out? Are we willing to really say, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. Look at George Washington. Words from his personal prayer book. Oh, eternal and everlasting God, direct my thoughts, words, and work. Wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb and purge my heart by the Holy Spirit. Daily, frame me, oh, I love this, frame me more and more in the likeness of thy Son, Jesus Christ, that living in thy fear and dying in thy favor, mm, I may in thy appointed time obtain the resurrection of the justified unto the eternal life. Blessed, O Lord, the whole race of mankind, and let the world be filled with the knowledge of thy Son, Jesus Christ. You see, they don't teach stuff like this in school anymore. Egypt. Have you ever read this? What's on the screen? This was the founder of this country, the first president of the. But you will not get these things in, in school. Where they are not taught. And you want to know why we have an America that's going down a road because we, as believers, are not even teaching our own children. We are accountable. We'll stop passing the blame. On the first inaugural oath, since George Washington first added, so help me God, this inaugural oath, almost, almost every president, there was a few there that did some things different. But almost every president since likewise have, has int integrated, so help me God. Man, if I was president, let me tell you, I think I'd be praying, uh, I think I'd be praying like 23 hours of the day. 
You couldn't get me to be president of this nation. I wouldn't want the job. God would have to come down, talk to me personally, cook me a meal, and then force me in the seat. John Quincy Adams, President Adams, was also the chairman of the American Bible Society, which he considered his highest and most important role. Could you imagine that? Here he is, a president, and yet he's saying his most important role was him being over the American Bible Society. On July 4th, 1821, President Adams said, the highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissolvable bond the principles of civil government with principles of Christianity. They bonded together. I like this one here in the United States. In 1782, the United States Congress voted this resolution. This Congress of the United States recommends and approves the Holy Bible for youth in all its schools. Whoa, whoa. Did that happen in our nation? Really? It's funny, but here is the textbook. After the Bible, then they came out with the New England Primer. And when I opened up the New England Primer and I was to put my glasses on and see... They would teach the kid the alphabet. This was the book. This book was in use for, for so long. From 1776, not until they took prayer out of schools, 1962, Christ was at the center of all things. Hey, how does the educational system look now since we want to take God out? No one wants to talk about that, but that's the truth, the downright truth. And if you do the historical background, you'll see the evidence of what takes place. So how do we teach a kid about our ABCs? Well, A... A is Adam. He fell, and we all have sinned since. B, the Bible must be in our mind. C, Christ crucified for sinners and died. This is how they taught the kids. You see the fundamentals, but see, there's a problem. And we'll get back to that in a little bit, but let me give you a little bit more of my history. The President of Allegiance, listen to this, in our country, 1954, the Congress inserted under God in Pledge of the Allegiance in 1954 in order to combat the rise of atheistic communism and affirm, and affirm, this is the government in 1954 still affirming what they were doing in 1776 in the first Congress. They're still affirming, what did they affirm? Affirm that America was not founded on, belief, was founded on the belief in God. So they put, in God we trust. United States model, and God we trust, was first inscribed on the U.S. coins in 1864 under President Lincoln. And in 1956, Congress made a national motto, motto of, of the United States, and God we trust. That's all the way up to 1956, God still being in the equation. Some would say in the equation. Yeah. Let's go on a little further. The Supreme Court opens with prayer. Since 1820s, the United, United U.S. Supreme Court has opened in court session with prayer. God save the United States and this honorable court. Go take one step further. The Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., if you've never been through Washington and go through all its monuments, go through all of its his history, you will see all of the attribute to God. These were individuals that stated Different things about God being the center of civilization. Remove him, you create chaos. Remove him from your life, you create chaos. Look what it says here. Since the Supreme Court's building was constructed in 1930s, a marble frieze, and that's just a horizontal engraving on a wall. On the south wall of the courtroom has a feature of Moses with the two tablets of the Decalogue. Wow, isn't it amazing how they thought to put Moses in there? Because the Ten Commandments has affected every single society. Our university's beginning, you have to get this, out of 108 universities founded in America, 106 of them was distinctly Christian. Harvard University charted in 1636. Listen to this. In the Harvard handbook it read this rule number one was this students seeking uh, students seeking entrance must know Latin and Greek so they may study the scriptures you, could you imagine that none of us would be able to go to that school right 
especially the Latin. I'm out of there on the Latin. For first 100 years, more than 50% of all Harvard graduates were pastors. I want you to, gra- I want you to understand this. You know, when people want to, we have changed in the last 60 years dramatically, and I'll give you some figures in a second. When you look at the Washington Monument, or before I go to the Washington Monument, let me just say this. And from 1776 to 1962, that is 186 years. This is 186 years of we as a nation are still believing. God's still at the center of the core of our foundation. He's still at the, one of the pillars holding up things. Right up to this point of 1962. And yet from 1962, this is when they took prayer out of school. And we'll talk about that in a second. To 2022, that is 60 years. That's all, 60 years. We've gone all of that moment where God being part of the foundation to in 60 years, we don't want God in school. We don't want God here. We don't want God here. We want to push God away out of the picture. And we're not teaching our kids the history of this nation. And if you take the... If you don't teach the history, that's why people don't even know what the Constitution is. They don't read the Constitution. They don't know the Bill of Rights. They don't know. All they know is what's in it for me. What are you going to do for me? Where is a freebies for me? Not even understanding the sweat, blood, and tears that were paid for what we have in this country. The Washington Monument is an incredible feat. As you read on the screen there, it has an aluminum cap. It's something like aluminum, I forget. It's a type of cap, but it's made of part aluminum. And on that, as it's 55 feet, 555 feet high, and I love this, 5,125 inches high, um, there's seven letters that are on top there, two words, Las Deo, which simply means praise God. It's in Latin. I want you to understand this because it's made with 36,000 stones of marble from Merlin. And each one, and it weighs 90,000 tons. The construction of this great obelisk began in 1848 when James Polk, as the president of the United States, and it was finished in 1888. It was a 40-year process. And it was a monument built mainly to George Washington. That's why it's called the Washington Monument. Because he was the commander of the Continental uh, Army in chief and first president of our country. And they built this to honor him. What's interesting about it, because within the monument is 898 steps, 50 landings. Are you getting tired going up those stairs yet? As you climb the steps and pause at the landings, and they've closed it now for a while, on the 12th landing, and I wonder why sometimes, because when you start to see what's there, on the 12th landing is a prayer offered by the city of Baltimore. On the 20th landing is a memorial presented by some Chinese Christians. On the 24th landing is a presentation made by the Sunday school children from New York and Philadelphia, quoting Proverbs 10, 7, Luke 18, 6, Proverbs 22, 6. And then it says, pray the Lord. When the cornerstone of the Washington Monument was laid in July 4th, 1848, deposited within the cornerstone, put by the Bible Society, was a Bible. Isn't it amazing? Putting the Bible as a cornerstone. One nation under God started with the Bible. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but listen, just listen for a moment. What do you hear? Do you hear the battle? Do you hear the battle? Can you see, truly see what God wants and what God is saying? Can you really see what is right or wrong? Are you predetermined by your preference? that makes your decision or do your preference really line up to what God says, not your preference to how you like people and, and therefore you like them, so therefore you think they're okay. No, that's not how you do it. It's not, there's a lot of people out there you may like, but they're not right. 
There are a lot of people I like as a person, but their policies are so far wrong because they can't see, they don't understand because they're on a different road and we have to listen. There is a battle out there because people matter and that's why God has given his message and time is short. And so if you really believe time is short, what are you going to do about it? If you really believe time is short, how are you going to proclaim it? What are you going to do different if time is short? If you only had today to live, what would you do? If you only had one month to live, what would you do? Would you change your life any different? And if you say yes, then you're not living to your full capacity. If you say that if I only had one month, I would do things different, then I would say you are living short of living your life right because you should be ready to go even now. And if I were to check out now, I'm ready because I I, I, I I've been doing my best. Can only do my best. And I leave the rest for God to do. Christ Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. This is a powerful scripture found in 2 Peter 3.9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but have everyone but everyone come to repentance. That's God's love. That's God's love. Aren't you glad God's patient with you? Now, let me ask you a question. How patient are you with other people? If you want God to be patient with you, how, how patient are you with other people? You know, people want people to be patient with them, and yet I often see people being not really patient with other people. You see, we're fighting a spiritual warfare. We really are. Freeing people from Satan's deception and influences is a challenge. Because the odds are against us. There are some people who haven't shared Christ with a soul and been around people who don't know Christ and haven't said a word to them whatsoever and they haven't really even thought about it. But if that person was to die that day, I tell you what's going to happen. You have a lot of regret left because you never said what you should have said. You never done what you wanted to do. And then all of a sudden, all the regret. And I've been with those people who have that regret. I know you and I can't share Jesus with every single person. We can try, do our best, say something, encourage them. But we have to ask ourselves, are we doing the best we can with what God has given to us? Are we really, really fighting a warfare or are we just living day to day just trying to survive? I'm past surviving. I don't want to just survive anymore. I want to strive with an excellence. I want to drive and survive with a, with a fervency in the heart. And I think that's God's prayer and desire for you. Would you say amen to that? It is. No matter what you find yourself in, there's a fight 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has binded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there's a battle out there. There's an enemy who's trying to, to cover the eyes, to blind the eyes so they cannot see. It's up to you and I to really fight against that. It's really important. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 tells us, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins in which you used to live. Look at your neighbor and just say, You remember those days? Huh? You remember those days? You lived in a way that was unpleasing to God. And isn't it amazing that God still came in? Hello! How many glad God still came in even when you were so far from him? How many come on into the mess? And he said, you know what, daughter? You know what, son? I'm not going to leave you. I know you're a mess, but I want to bless you. I want to help you. And we, sometimes we get a little bit down the journey and we forget about what God has done. We forget. We get so, we get so lackadaisical. And all of a sudden we see someone else that's all messed up. And all we can do is look at that person. They're messed up, man. They're messed up. Oh, they're messed up. God can't do nothing with that guy. <laughs> Well, I don't know, he did something with you, did he? And if he can do something with you, eh, I think he can do it in that guy that's all messed up, or that girl that's all messed up right now. All that guy and that girl needs is someone to come alongside them to kind of show them the way. Someone just say, show them the way. 
Do you want to bring spiritual freedom to those who don't know Jesus Christ? I want to talk about spiritual warfare because you see how we have changed. In 60 years, our country has changed drastically, and it's changing super warp speed. Unless something happens, and I'm not sure what's going to happen. There's a lot of things right now. 223 looks like a tough year, guys. I'm just going to tell you ahead of time. 223 looks like making 221 and 220 a piece of cake. There's so many things that it's on the horizon, and there's so many things that it's major, especially in the food area. It's going to be some issues. I want you to understand this. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. When we fight in warfare, it's with prayer. When we fight in warfare, it's with the word of God. When we fight in warfare, we really start to live out what Christianity is. It is, makes no sense to have you know all this information. Knowledge is not victory. Let me say that again. Knowledge is not victory unless the knowledge is applied to your life. Knowledge that touches somebody else. Wisdom that is expressed. If a believer is praying, not praying, and they're not, gonna, they're not really growing. They're just staying the same. They're just existing. There's no fervency. There's no expectation. They're just trying to get through the day. Lord, just get me through the day. How many of you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, I get through the day. Huh? Can anybody raise your hand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we've all done it, but if you get so, you get so conditioned sometimes by saying that. And God says, son, daughter, I don't want you to survive. I want you to strive. I don't want you just to strive. If we're just in that mode, we're just thinking about what we see and we're forgetting about the one we know. It's a choice. That's why the Bible says for us to pray continually in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 17. So let me just talk a little bit about prayer before I go into a section here. When we look at prayer, prayer was taken out of our schools in 1962, like I've said. And it's really interesting when you start to do the research in it. Because in 1962, prayer became a, an offense. I'm going to say that. Prayer became an offense. So before prayer becomes an offense, God has to be an offense. I want you to also understand that Here's the prayer that was offense. It's really offensive. I got so offended when I read it. Oh, I'm so offended. Here's the, here it is. Here's the prayer. Ready? Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg for thy blessing upon our parents, our teachers, and our country. Did you get offended? Here's a funny thing. Statistically, the statistic back then when... This, 1962, 97% of the population agreed with this. They didn't fight it. There was 3% of the people who fought this. Someone say 3%. And the Supreme Court went with the 3%, not the 97. I want you to understand something. That this took place back then because most believers were too busy in their own life trying to survive and drive. But they didn't realize the consequence that it was going to have on their children. And people never realize that laws matter because they have consequences. And those consequences are not just on you, but consequences on the children. And so you have children now raising up in a society that's going crazy, that they don't know what is right and wrong anymore. It's just according to, well, I feel, hear that? That's what you, that's what you hear. Well, I feel it's okay. I mean, no one's getting hurt. See, it's all about emotions today. It's not about truth. It's about how we feel. We, uh, I, this is how I feel. And that's how they make the decisions according to their feelings, not according to their faith. It's dangerous. 
this 22-word prayer was declared to be unconstitutional and led for the removal of all prayer from public schools in the case of Engel versus Vital. Which is now which comes into a little deeper that I want you to understand. This little prayer acknowledges God one time and yet our constitution, our independent, a declaration of independence mentions God four times. And can, some can say five if they look at a word differently and how they look at it. But four times. And yet no one's saying, wait a minute, we have God mentioned. This only has God one time. Just a thought. But listen to what happens after with. Within 12 months of the Ingle versus Vitale's court and the case, two more cases came. And why the two cases between Ambleton and Shemp and Murray and Corlett, they took out Bible reading, religious classes, and instruction from school. Now, not only prayer taken out, but now Bible teaching and instruction and God all together. All within, let's give it two years. A little less than that, but we'll round it off. It's amazing how fast it took place. And I think you and I can see what's happening in our world. Problem is, is it changing you to say, I want to do something more for God, or are you just going with it like a dead fish downstream? Where is the difference, church? Where are we out there being light and being salt? Where are we touching people? Are we so consumed with our own life? Or do you say, God, will you just break me and help me to be all you want me to be? I don't know about you, but I want to be broken. I want to be broken so that I can be soft to whatever God wants me to do. And then however God wants me to do it. And I think that should be all our prayer to the Lord. This textbook was so approved for so long and allowed in public school. And yet we believe today people think separation from church and state. No. It's just the people who have said it over and over again, over again. John, Thomas Jefferson was writing it to his letters to a Baptist preacher. Had nothing to do with what they proclaim it. But you know what? It's almost written like it was really, is written as law now. Now God's not even invited. But let a tragedy take place. Let a, a circumstance take place. I can guarantee you, you're not going to stop anybody from praying. There was a girl, uh, a teacher, and she had all her students, and there was a t bad tornado in Missouri. What's that? Where, where was it? For, for, uh, Fortescue? Not Fortescue. And what was it? Joplin, <clears throat> which we know Joplin. We live very close to Joplin, so we know the area quite well. And when the giant tornado came through Joplin, this lady took her class in a closet, and they all prayed in school. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> you can kick God out, but that doesn't mean people are not going to pray. But the problem is, saints, we need to be people of prayer. If you really want God to do something in your life, you have to make room for time. Spend time with the ones you love. And if you love God, we need to really spend time with God. Someone say amen. amen. So the court made the decision with 3% of the nation that did not believe in this prayer and just avoided the 97% that in the nation at that time were okay with the prayer. There is a lot of things in this world that we have. We have weapons, bombs, and grenades, and tanks, and missiles, and the line can go on, tomahawks. And, but when it comes to spiritual warfare, I'm going to just give you quick a few here that I just want you to get in your heart afresh again. We're celebrating 4th of July. We're celebrating freedom. But it's freedom that costs somebody. Because whenever you have freedom, it's always a cost of somebody. And when it comes to spiritual freedom, Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died for you. You know, there are so many people today who don't know what love is. They don't know what love is whatsoever because they have not really experienced love. Have you ever met anybody who hasn't experienced love? I mean, they really have a hard time. And then they have children, and then they don't know what love is, and then they have children, and then they can't love their children properly because they've never seen love themselves. 
Look at Jesus Christ. This is the picture of love. Why we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died upon the cross, Romans 5, 8. Let's take a journey. And let's reflect upon some of the weapons that are to be used in a relationship to have spiritual strongholds broken. The first weapon we have is the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood. Plead the blood. Revelation tells us in 12:11, they were overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. They did not love their lives as to shrink to it from death. I, I want you to, we have a testimony. Someone say a test. How many like tests? Good. Raise your hand. You like tests. Because you're crazy. You like tests, you're crazy. Because some tests are tough. Some tests are hard. Some tests are easy. How many like to take an easy test? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's like someone came up to you right now and said, we're going to take a test. You know? And you go, okay. And then they say, we're going to test you on the ABCs. Huh. And what happens to you now? Huh? Huh. ABC. I know that. I know. What comes after C? <laughs> Hebrews 2, 14, 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in his humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by fear and death. I want you to, the blood of Jesus Christ, when you pray, when you go into a situation, when you're asking God for whatever, pr pray the blood of Jesus Christ. There's power in the blood. I feel like breaking out in song right now. Satan holds capture people in addiction of every kind and keeps people in captivity of their mind. But in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ breaks all addictions breaks all problems. It's in the blood of Jesus Christ. There is victory in the blood. But we as Christians can't go around going, yeah, I know, yeah. You gotta, you gotta take God's word for what it says. Someone say amen. amen. Number two, we, gotta, we got the name of Jesus. You know, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers, his disciples, and he tells them to go out. They come back in, and this is, this is a small portion. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Mm -mm -mm. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to, er to, um, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. But I wish everybody could, you know, take that scripture during COVID. Did you hear what Pastor Jay said? That he gave him 200 rupees, anybody who wore a mask. I, I laughed. I just, I couldn't help it. I told him that was the funniest thing ever. Um, he, I said, how many, how many, how much money did because it's $5 in American. I said, how much did you end up getting? He said, no, no one ever, no one ever came in with a mask. And no one ever got sick. However, verse 20, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I don't know about you, but we get into a car and we don't, all of a sudden, we're not worried about getting into an accident. We just trust God in the car. We, we can't trust God with other things. Lord behold, no. Uh, we can go outside our stairs and walk down the stairs, no problem. We don't think oh, anything's going to happen. Isn't it amazing how we have a contradictory in the way we approach things? God can... Save us and touch us and protect us. But this thing here, oh, he can't, oh, I, I, he can't protect me from that. Hey, listen, listen to me. <clears throat> I just believe, and I just, I'm still the same way. I'm going to trust God. When I croak, I croak. But until then, I'm going to run it strong. Until then, I am not going to worry. My days are in the master's hands. And if your days are in the master's hands, stop worrying about this and stop worrying about that. Let the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus be the one that empowers you. Because it's in his name. Oh, hallelujah. I think I'm the only one right now ready to preach a sermon. <laughs> you see, we have a different... Uh, um, uh, a different mind frame. We say one thing with our words, but we're not living it by our actions. I, I, I know none of us are perfect. Say none of us are perfect. Come on, come on. Say it. Relieve yourself. Uh, I'm not perfect. Come on, say it. Come on, come on. Yeah. God's not looking for perfection because he's your perfection. 
He just wants some obedience. He just wants some faith. He just wants you to walk in what you know. Oh, help me, Lord. Weapons 3 is the word of God. Oh, this is a good one. You get the power of the blood. You get the name of Jesus. And now you got the word of God. Mm. 2 Timothy 3.16. Some of you need to memorize that scripture. And if you want extra credit, 17. <laughs> I don't know why I said 16 without 17, because it's just a complete power. 2 Timothy 3.16. Hey, why don't I all read it together? Ready? Stop. All scripture is God-breathed and is youthful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Someone say, there's power right there. Mm. Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You see, you see, you got to understand, God's word strips Satan of its power. God's word strips Satan of his power because of the authority on Calvary. The problem is, is that saints of God have given power to the enemy. And the minds and the ways of our life, we have, we've kind of surrendered it instead of standing on the word of God and not letting the God, not let the devil rattle our cage. All oh. oh, Satan has to work now is with lies and deceptions. That's how he gets things done. And fear. But what if this happens? Ooh. But what if that happens? That's exactly what the devil does. Fear, lies, and deception. Because all his authority was stripped at the cross and the resurrection. You see? So we give the devil more authority because we forget the authority God has given to us. Jesus in Luke 4, it talks about the devil coming to tempt Jesus when he was in the wilderness. And you know the story. Now, Jesus fasted 40 days and nights during this time. And the devil came to him. And every, every single time he says this, it is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus himself used the word of God. If you are faced with a problem, how much of the word of God do you have in you? How much of the word of God? I, I don't care if you have a reference. You don't. You, it, but the content. I tell people references were added. That's not inspired. It's just helpful. <laughs> But how much of the word of God, if they banned Bibles today and said you can't have a Bible, I still would have one. <laughs> but if they try to take all the Bible, how much of the Bible do you have in you? That's why it's important to read your scriptures. You can't know the author. As a pastor, I'll be real honest with you. As a pastor, and as I talk to other pastors, you know, their struggle that they say most of, and I, can, I say Amen. He says, the lack of hunger in God's people. The lack of hunger of reading their Bibles and praying. The lack of desire to know God and the power of God. The lack of desire. You can't put desire in people. It comes from within. You have to want it. It's like food. If your stomach is urgent right now and you're saying, how many more weapons are we going to be talking about? Because I'm, I'm starting to feel it kind of bubbling up a little bit. Because I'm battling a weapon of hunger right now. <laughs> you, see, there's a desire there for that food to quench it. But, but do you have a desire for God to say, you know what, God? I, if I'm still breathing and have my being, then I know I'm not done yet. You're not done with me. What else, God? Come on, just say it. What else, God? What now? What do you want me to do? Don't let your age be what you call, you know, well, I'm this many years. Well, Methuselah was more years than you. Age is relative. It's all what you compare it to. Tell yourself you're old and you will feel old every single day of your life. Tell yourself you're tired and you're going to feel tired every day of your life. Tell yourself you're a spring chicken or a new teenager and you're going to feel like a spring chicken and a renewed teenager 
do the things to your body that's good for your body, and you'd be surprised how better it feels. Number four, let's just... The power of praise. I love this one. I think the power of praise and weapon and celebrating my freedom has been so much because of when I've had pain and I had these moments where even where my purpose has just been foggy and I start to get into alone with God and I start praising him for what he has done, praising him for what he's doing, praising him for what his, what his promises says. That's when God starts changing the house. Praise. Psalms 100, 4 and 5, enter his gates. That's a choice to get into prayer and to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks. That's a choice to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. That's a choice to say, God, you're good, even when right now things are not so great. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. I want you to understand something. God wants you to learn in the midst of your pain to praise. God wants you in the midst of your pressure to praise. I want you to know that even when you feel like your purpose of life is now being challenged, he wants you to get alone with him and stop praising him. Raise the praise. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is a beautiful story with King Jehoshaphat, an awesome king of Judah. And he told everybody to fast and pray. I want you to understand something, though he told fast and pray, but before he did anything like that, he took people and worshipped. Look what it says. Jehoshaphat bowed down. This is verse 18 following. Joshua bowed down his face to the ground and all the people of Judah. And Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. This is when the enemy is about to destroy them. This is when the odds are not looking too good for them. Then the Levites from the Korathites... And the Korites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I, I want you to get this. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the battle. Here they are about to go to war and they're singing. It's like Paul and Silas in prison and they're singing. See, when it's tough and you've got a problem, sing. Sing. Well, I don't have a good voice, Pastor. I would sing, but if I sunk. God never listens to the vocal cords. He listens to the heart. Always remember that. Not all of us have a gift of singing. Someone say amen. amen. <laughs> but you know what? God listens to the heart. Praise, this power in praise. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Psalms 150. Isaiah, Isaiah 61 says, cast off the spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of praise. The fifth weapon is fasting. Fasting is powerful, but often is neglected and forgotten in the acts of spiritual weapons and warfare. But to deny ourselves, to put God's will in front of our self-will, to really see God's value over our personal values. Fasting is a spiritual, it's fasting for spiritual needs over physical needs. And that's why I love this story. The boy delivered from an evil spirit. It's a beautiful story because if you read the narrative here, they brought this man, the father brought it to the disciples and the disciples, well, they couldn't, they couldn't heal him. And so the man was discouraged, really discouraged. And if you look at verse 28, look what happens here in 29. And when he had come to, into the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast it, cast it out? And he said to them, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. You see, there is a power that comes with God, but it only comes by seeking God. People want the power of God to flow, but there's a price. There's a price to pay, and that's your time Someone say amen. amen. And let me end with six. I didn't want to tell you how many I had. Just keep you guessing. <laughs> the weapon of your love. The weapon of your love. Your love is powerful when it's wrapped in God's love. You know, when you have God's love, you can actually love people. There are so many people who, 
who don't know how to love because they haven't been connected to God's love. Loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul will lead you to love people and to pray for people and to pray for people are free from whatever bondages they have, whatever mind thing that they have, no matter what physical ailments that they have, whatever it is, don't get discouraged in the process. God's over it all. The word of God never comes back void. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. Mm. But let me just read this to you. Because this is important. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoice in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endure all things. Love never fails. This is the love that God has for you and I. Problem is, do you love people the way God loves you? Just so you know, do you love people the way God loves you? How do you respond to others? Because love never fails. You gotta, you, you have to love in order to build a relationship. John 13, a new commandment I give you, that you may love one another. I have loved you, that you also shall love one another. And by this, by this, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one another. That is talking about the body of Christ. All of us, all of us need to realize that God has given us a great history. God's given us a great history. More than that. God desires to do a work in us and through us. Can you stand to your feet? Let me just pray for you that God may touch you. Father, I pray right now that you would touch each individual and that, Father, as they learn from the past, may you do something in their heart that they would truly recognize that your gift of time and the gift of life, may they truly live in faith every day. And Father, will you just do a work in each heart, do a work in each life. And Father, help us to truly celebrate, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.